What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And today we're back with a little bit different of an episode. Uh, This is something we did last year as well, but this is the first time we're talking about it now. We've got to the point in the season where we've seen enough games from all the rookies to where... We're going to do a rookie recap episode today, talk about all the quarterbacks who are rookies who have played this year, whether they're late round draft picks who are only in there because of injury, or your Bryce Youngs and CJ Strouds. We're going through all of them. We're going to talk about all of their games, their whole season. Uh, But before I get into that, if you guys have been enjoying episodes like these or the weekly recaps that we're doing, which we're going to drop one more later this week, stay in tune for that. Uh, Please like, follow, subscribe, do what you got to do on the platform you're listening to, uh, to help us out. And if you guys want to hear more of our takes, follow us on Twitter at PD 34 underscore for PD at real Rahul potty two for me. Uh, and with that being said, we'll probably jump right into these rookie recaps. We're going to be going in draft order. So starting off with the number one overall pick Bryce young PD, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, so we're going to go through every game, go through it quickly because we touched on all the games for these guys, the three guys in the top four um, with Young, Stroud, and Richardson. So we're going to speed run through the games again um, just for uh, recap's sake. Um, So for this first game against the Falcons, Young, we mentioned he was pretty awful, um, had a fumbled snap in here, um, had a couple of turnover-worthy plays on two interceptions to Jesse Bates where he was very late on throws. Um, had a ton of throwaways in the fourth quarter, um, looked like he was bailing from the pocket late in that game, um, showed some flashes of very nice underneath accuracy, some ability to work the middle of the field, um, some good aggression in this game, but really the pocket management was pretty rough. 11 pressures evaded, but six of them he was responsible for and four early pocket bails, which is a pretty high number. Um, has one broken sack and um, just generally didn't do a whole lot to really impress me other than work the underneath areas. So, um, yeah, not a great start for Young, but, of course, it does get better from that first week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty much agree with you on that first week. It, it looked like a typically typical uh, rookie quarterback first performance there. A lot of mistakes that you maybe don't want to see moving forward. But like PD said, he definitely cleans that up. He already shows elite level accuracy and also the high level trait of anticipation, which we kind of expected coming into the league. Uh, It was very evident from this game already, and it'll be a common theme that the supporting cast by far is not good enough to help him here. Uh, I did think in this game more than others, the pressure and the lack of offensive line help around him. uh, He really struggled with, I felt like it messed up his footwork and kind of his rhythm a little bit, but Moving forward, he definitely does fix that. So moving to the next game in week two, um, there were more flashes of good play rather than the horrendous play that we saw in week one. Does have two turnover-worthy plays again here. First one on a dropped interception, which I wasn't entirely um, too mad at. I thought the idea was good. He throws really early on an outbreaking pattern to Adam Thielen with extreme anticipation, but the the issue is that um, Thielen doesn't really win. Um, and Bryce puts it in a spot that's not uncatchable for the DB, and it's a tight window because I said, like, Thielen doesn't win. Um, and the other turnover-worthy play was um, a sack fumble in field goal range, which I thought was very bad. Um, it showed kind of a lack of strength because he, like, has two hands on the ball. Um, 
and the other thing it showed is that he was like trying to outrun the defender, which he really couldn't. Um, and that's that's kind of like a feel issue that kind of uh, gets better as he adjusts to the league. Um, when we get to this past week, um, you'll see more of it where um, he's adjusted better as the time go- time has gone on. But yeah, in that week two, that one play, that sack fumble, it was a rough play. Um, the fourth quarter was was very good for Young. He had a really nice 26-yard scramble where he made a dude miss in open space on third and 11, picked up 26 yards, like I said. Um, and then late in the game, he had a really impressive throw in terms of anticipation deep down the field on an outbreaking route to Jonathan Mingo, uh, put it right on the money and threw it like good three, four steps before Jonathan Mingo made his break. So that flash of like best in the league level anticipation, he's not there from a consistency perspective yet, but uh, we can see those flashes even in his week two game. Yeah, looking into that game, I agree with most of what you said. And add on to that, I feel like a big indicator of his progression here is the four sacks he took in this one. In my opinion, even though the offensive line was a play was very poor in this one, I do think it was kind of an indicator of Bryce Young being a little bit more antsy in the pocket than I expected. He obviously had a lot more clean pockets at Alabama. And here he's had to learn very quickly and early on how to navigate pressure and stuff. And that's still something I think even to this day he's struggling with. And it showed a lot in this game, even showing on that uh, play you mentioned with the fumble, him trying to outrun defenders that he simply couldn't, trying to do too too much in certain aspects, uh, leading to turnovers here and there. I think the turnover aspect of that he does clean up, but uh, definitely – pocket awareness and him just being strong and stout in there. Definitely a point of concern, even to this point for me. Okay. Um, so he misses week three, which is an important note because injury was a concern for me and for you um, coming out of the draft. Um, the big thing that I took away from that week three game was that Andy Dalton's ability to play with power in the pocket and make throws in contested spaces um, was a big difference. Um, that Panthers offensive line put forth an atrocious performance and the compare and contrast with him and Andy Dalton showed a lot of like Andy Dalton's ability to be a much better physical presence um, on a bad team. Um, and so that's something that Bryce will have to improve on, um, add more strength in the offseason, um, add more strength through this season as well, if, if he can possibly do that, but definitely a big focus of the offseason. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have any other takeaways than that. Otherwise, we can kind of speed through to week four. Yeah, let's move on to week four. Okay, so going to week four, um, this one against the Vikings. And um, Young was largely good for most of this game, had a number of really good ideas and completions to the intermediate area of the field, um, showed some ability to be um, good working um, the underneath stuff with ball placement and things of that nature. Um, Took two bad sacks at the end of the game and had a bad sack fumble in the third quarter that was returned for a touchdown. At the end of the game also, he missed um, Adam Thielen on a double move. Just He saw it but didn't throw it for whatever reason um, on third and goal with 110 left, and it would have been a chance for a game winner there for Adam Thielen. So rough ending to the game, but I think that um, the overall collective of the first three quarters, um, especially before that fumble, was was going well, and I saw definitely uh, a step up from both week one and two. 
Yeah, absolutely. This game was definitely a much better performance. And the, the kind of the issue that I was talking about in the previous game, still very much there, like you mentioned. He still doesn't necessarily look strong and comfortable in the pocket. And it's obviously does have to do with his frame, like we saw with Dalton in the previous week. They were able to get a lot of easy offense with Dalton, with him just standing in the pocket, delivering the ball in the, over the middle of the field, which is something Bryce Young simply can't do at a consistent rate at his height and frame but we did see him make up for kind of that deficiency uh by playing much better as uh get by getting rid of the ball quick by delivering balls with elite level accuracy fitting it in tight windows I felt like his short game was very much improved in this one and it's something we kind of expected out of Bryce Young quarterbacks of his kind of mold have to play in that way. But this was the first game where I really felt like, okay, he can do this at a high level and be very consistent and beat defenses in this way. And like PD mentioned, if it wasn't for a couple of mishaps late in the game, which is excusable for younger quarterbacks, it was just really one of his first times in that situation. Uh, he didn't make the best of it, but definitely something he fixes in one of the later games this year. All right, moving on to his week five game, this one against the Lions. Um, Panthers get absolutely steamrolled, but I thought Bryce Young showed some really good flashes in the fourth quarter, mostly um, has a really ugly interception where he kind of either forgets that the cover two corner exists or just doesn't care to uh, accept that he can make the play. Um, but in the first quarter, it was a bunch of short completions. Second quarter had that ugly incompletion or ugly interception and another uh, incompletion where he missed. And then beyond that, it was kind of just um, a tragic performance from the Panthers' offensive line combined with, in the fourth quarter, him kind of really turning it up. Had a nice, a very nice um, completion to Ian Thomas where he threw it really well to uh, 22 yards down the field for a 29-yard completion after the yards after catch um, and had another one to... Uh, DJ Chark, where he threw it a little low, but decent pass nonetheless. So um, some flashes of positive play, but I would call this one below average and a, a minor step back from what he did the week before. Yeah, I think I was a little bit harsher on this performance. Definitely still a step forward from those first two weeks, but I didn't like seeing that after what we saw in the Minnesota game. And primarily because we did see flashes of the good, but to me, a lot of that came or pretty much all of that came in the second half. Once the Lions had control of the game, their defense had kind of backed off completely. We're almost in a prevent for most of the rest of the game, left a lot more stuff open for Bryce Young to work with. And I feel like that's where we saw most of his production. And in the times where the Lions defense was kind of playing their normal game plan, he was did not look too good, made one very bad interception, like you mentioned, which I wasn't really sure what he was thinking. To me, both interceptions were his fault. And part of the reason why the Lions were able to just run away with the game so early in it. But I will say he still maintained the same level of accuracy. He was a lot better in the pocket in this one, primarily because he did better at getting rid of the ball at a quicker rate. It just seemed like he wasn't as aggressive as I would have liked him to, uh, as aggressive as he was in that previous game. A lot of his big chunk plays came later in the game where it was kind of already said and done. So I would have liked him to do more when the game was kind of in play. 
All right, moving on to the next one against the Dolphins. The Dolphins against steamroll the Panthers because the Panthers' defense is, is tragic. But um, Bryce Young was very good in this one, I thought, um, especially in the first quarter, like when they took that lead. Very, very um, impressive throws to start this game. So he has a nice one to Adam Thielen where he hits Thielen on the run for a 27-yard gain in the first quarter. Um, has another uh, 21-yard gain on a screen pass to Tommy Tremble, and then a really nice touchdown pass in a tight window to Adam Thielen, which I thought was one of his more impressive throws of the day and maybe of the season too. Um, in that second quarter, a number of impressive intermediate completions. Um, missed a couple of passes, um, but I thought overall that first half was very, very good. Um, in the second half, the offensive line really started to fall apart, and Young contributed to it on one of the sacks in the second half, I thought. Um, the 11-yard sack was on him, in my opinion. Um, throughout the third quarter, he also added some with uh, intermediate completions. Had a nice one to DJ Chark for a 24-yard gain. Um, and then another 16-yard gain in the uh, what is this, fourth quarter to, to Hayden Hurst, which was a good pass in a tight window. Um, yeah, just kind of collectively a very, very good first half, um, a solid second half. That kind of amounts to... Uh, a solid plus performance to me. Yeah, on, on the overall performance, I would agree. I thought he played pretty well in this one, especially in that first half. I want to reemphasize the Adam Thielen touchdown because to me, that was by far the best throw he's made this season. Back of the end zone, high throw to Thielen. He fits it right in a very tight window, puts it really only where Thielen could get it. Maybe it was slightly behind it, but honestly, I felt like that kind of helped with the positioning of the ball for making an easier catch for Thielen. So great play there and great start to this game. He was driving. He was delivering balls in tight windows, showing that elite-level accuracy. But to me, that second half, obviously, there was a little bit of a drop-off. And it does kind of go to show, to me, a bigger problem and maybe issue with this game. And I think it has more to do with the fact that it's him in this offense, and that was kind of my biggest concern with him coming into this year is I just didn't love his fit on this Panthers offense because I saw the Miami defense just make one small tweak and it changed everything. They just dropped their DBs lower in coverage. They brought more pressure. They kind of compressed their defense, and as a result, the Panthers offensive line struggled, like you mentioned. The receivers struggled a lot more in getting open, but most importantly, Bryce Young has struggled to operate because he felt smothered. He was rushed to make his decisions. And when he was rushed, you he normally isn't the type of quarterback who's going to be able to stand and withstand that pressure and still kind of overpower it and deliver balls in uh, over the middle of the field, quick balls up to the outside. It's just not his game. And when defenses make, make that uh, adjustment, especially with this offense, with all the deficiencies it has, it seems to completely stall this Panthers offense. And I'm not sure how they're going to combat that overall. Um, I'm not even fully convinced that if Bryce Young had some pieces on this offense that he could combat that. If I had to guess, I think he would be able to, but it's still a problem in his in the in his game right now for me. All right, moving on to this most recent game, right after the bye, um, and I thought this one was his second best game of the year, game of the year. Um, the stats are a little bit misleading because a number of important um, passes that weren't caught, um, specifically this one that he made to DJ Chark 
in a tight window, 32 yards down the field. He makes a great play to evade, evade pressure, um, pushes it 30 plus yards down the field and DJ Chark just can't come up with it. So that was a very impactful play uh, from him that I didn't think ended up in the box score. Um, has a back shoulder pass for 31 yards to Adam Thielen, which I don't know if he intended to put that back shoulder, but ended up in a big completion regardless. Um, a number of big completions in this game of 31 yards, 20 yards, um, what should have been another 30-plus yard pass with the one that I just mentioned with DJ Chark, um, a 41-yard pass to Jonathan Mingo. Um, I think the change in offensive coordinator really helped them. Um, they ran a lot more play action from under center, just working um, more into what Bryce Young does well. Um, I saw a, a few trick plays. Um, just kind of working off play action is, is best for this offense, I think, because the receivers really need time to separate, um, and more misdirection is is always good for um, trying to help a quarterback ease into the action. Um, so, yeah, I thought this, this game pushed more easy buttons for Bryce Young. Um, he looked good from an accuracy standpoint again, um, and flashed some flashes of exceptional anticipation again, but... Um, yeah, the offense didn't really score many points because of some of those high leverage plays not being completions. Yeah, I really liked this game from Bryce Young because for me, it showed a lot of, or him solving a lot of the question marks we had from him earlier on the season. Like for one, I mentioned earlier with, I believe it was the Vikings game. He had a situation where he could have brought his team back, potentially uh, win them that game. And couple of mistakes here and there and that fell apart in this one we see him lead a game-winning drive with that field goal at the end uh impressive throws on that one as well kind of showing at a young age composure in that situation also i like the fact that what you mentioned pd in this new game plan he looked a lot better i think all quarterbacks kind of need their way of getting easy offense and earlier in the season they kind of prayed left Bryce Young in the pocket with a terrible offensive line and prayed he'd make something of it and that's just simply not a good way of making offense you can't consistently produce that way and they were able to get him out of the pocket a little bit or move him around with the play action cut off half of the field give him a couple of easier options and with Bryce Young's level of analyzing the field as well as delivering the ball with perfect accuracy that's the best situation to putting put him in and it allows him to do what he does best. It doesn't force him to make plays under pressure with massive D linemen trying to get to him, have to overpower anything. He's just able to dissect the defense, do what he does best. And I also think the sack number here was a little bit misleading because to me, it was a lot of those were not his fault. This was another pretty bad performance from his offensive line. And I thought in this one, he did a lot better job at managing the pocket than we saw in other games. No real mistakes in this one, which you love out of Bryce Young. That's something he was very good at in college. Struggled a little bit, as we talked about, coming into the season. But if he has more games like this Houston one, his overall production is going to look a lot better because not as many mistakes taking away. All right, so that'll wrap up our recap of each of Bryce Young's game. Let's get into what he's done overall as a summary. So um, recap of his traits. Let's go through what we thought from coming out of college and now. So what I see now in the league, um, there are moments where he looks like one of the best anticipators in the league. Um, it looks sometimes like what Tua is doing in Miami, um, but it's not there on a consistent basis because he's still working through how to read coverages as a young player in the NFL. Um, and the talent around him has not 
been maximized and is not particularly good enough on their own to um, really give him a consistent base for, for working with anticipation. Um, his timing has looked okay, um, but I would say his anticipation has looked better than his timing, which means that um, when he throws with good timing, it often comes out early, but um, the rate with which he puts it on uh, puts it out on time is, is worse than the rate than, that he puts it out early relative to the league. Um, I would say that he already is a plus in the accuracy category, which is very good for a rookie, um, and he still needs to work on managing the pocket in terms of um, knowing when to take a hit and when to bail from the pocket um, when pressure's coming. It was something that plagued him in college a little bit, um, where he would bail from the pocket early in college and sometimes take unnecessary hits. Um, there was a play against Houston um, where he generated um, a positive completion past the first down marker, but he ran into like two defenders and got absolutely crunched when I thought he could have kind of stepped up a couple of steps and, and made that play anyway. Um, so things like that where um, you kind of have to manage how much contact you're taking. Already missed a game due to injury. We don't want to see more of that. Um, and yeah, I think in terms of what um, he's gotten better at for this year, um, he's gotten better at reading defenses, which is like an obvious thing that rookies will get better at um, as they go through their year. Um, he's gotten more accurate the as he's gotten more in tune with the offense. There's been less miscommunications, less throwaways, and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's been anything in his game that's unexpected. Um, from from what I saw, this was this seems well within the range of outcomes for him. Yeah, with that last point, I absolutely agree. This is very much what I expected out of, out of Bryce Young coming into uh, the league. A lot of this, a lot of the elite level of accuracy and elite level anticipation that we saw out of him at Alabama absolutely translated into the league. His ability to fit balls into tight windows, to be able to throw it to a receiver like you said, before they even break into their routes, get it to them right in the bread basket. It has looked incredible. One thing that I didn't really expect out of him coming in that I've seen a decent bit of, and I think he'll improve on it, but I'm not really sure where it even came from, is there are a lot of plays where I feel like he almost gives up or like just simply throws the ball away where maybe he could try something or maybe something is there. Uh, not going through all his progressions at times. That's something that I really never saw out of him in his film at Alabama, and I'm not sure if it's because he doesn't necessarily trust his receivers as much here, which is very understandable. But he's kind of got to learn to develop that even if he doesn't necessarily have the best situation around him. And I definitely was worried about his pocket presence, his awareness in the pocket, in general, being able to maneuver there coming into the league, and that still seems to be a bit of an issue. I think it's heightened even more now with the Panthers having one of the worst offensive lines in the league. But that is another kind of problem I had with them coming into the year, that I wanted Bryce Young to be able to play in an offense where he had a solid foundation blocking in front of him. Because... A quarterback like him will always struggle when something like that is the situation. And the biggest problem, which we've kind of already seen even early into the season, uh, is the injuries coming as a result of his frame. Already missed one game early on from an injury that I feel like not a, a lot of quarterbacks would not have picked up an ankle injury like that. It seemed like it was a more of a Bryce Young issue than a lot of other quarterbacks would have faced. 
So definitely something to put your eye on. He does it hasn't seemed to linger and it seemed to kind of go away pretty quickly. So hopefully he manages to maintain health overall. And another thing that I've really liked seeing out of him early in this season, uh, and kind of something I didn't expect as much out of him, but we did see a little bit of it in Alabama, is his ability to just find space. And I feel like that's why him and Adam Thielen have made such a great connection. Adam Thielen's one of those receivers who's amazing at adapting mid-play, changing his route a little bit to find pockets in the defense to where you can just slice and dice them and <clears throat> beat zones easily. And I feel like Bryce Young has done a fantastic job of not only analyzing it, but adapting mid-play with Thielen and finding those pockets and m- making plays like that happen. And I do think if he had more receivers of higher-level talent on that team, we'd see a lot more of stuff like that. But unfortunately, he's got to deal with the cards he's dealt with as the number one overall pick. It is what it is, but definitely a lot of signs of high-level anticipation. If he can deal with the frame he has and still play good football, especially like we saw versus Houston, uh, things could look good moving forward. All right. Let's talk about the juicy part. Um, Has anything changed for how we project the rest of his career? I would say it's kind of on the similar track, maybe like a touch worse. Um, I would still say that a Pro Bowl appearance is very much in the range of outcomes, and I would almost want to predict that um, at some point. There's some very high-end flashes here uh, to where if he ever gets something resembling a a positive supporting cast, um, which is unlikely to not happen at some point in his career, you know, like if you go your whole career playing on a team of this caliber of the Panthers, yeah, he's not going to make it, but... um, I, I think that the chance that the Panthers improve um, over these next few years and, and he gets something resembling a good supporting cast is pretty high. And when that happens, I think that uh, a Pro Bowl appearance is very well within the cards. Um, maybe it's a little bit more unlikely because um, the way that they structured the situation um, changes a little bit uh, of the chances that he can get there um, with him developing bad habits. Um, if the supporting cast has like some injury or regression through the through the year, um, that'll be something we note when we do this at the end of the year again. But um, yeah, for now, I still think that a Pro Bowl appearance um, and a good pick at number one overall is is still very much within the cards for him. Yeah, I think you put a little bit too much faith in this Panthers front office and putting a good team around them. To me, from what we've seen out of the their draft picks so far, I mean. A lot of the guys on this receiving core aren't people they inherited. These are their own draft picks, and they have not panned out. So I'm not too sure. But, yeah, I'm sure at some point he will have a good supporting cast. I'm hoping for that for him. But as far as how his career looks, I was a touch lower on Bryce Young than PD was. So for me, he's kind of going at the pace I expected him to. I did not expect him to get to the heights that – PD PD kind of expected with him being a consistent elite quarterback for years and years, but I do think he can, he can absolutely be a pro bowler uh, pretty soon, to be honest, in a couple of years, if they can uh, fix up the situation around him. Uh, I just do want to see how his health holds up because we've seen guys like Kyler Murray, who's another number one overall pick at a similar size and granted He's a lot more of a rusher, so puts himself a lot more in harm's way. But we see him have very high-level flashes, and 
things kind of get ruined when you pick up injuries, especially with smaller guys. Uh, it's a lot harder to come back from as well. So I would like to see how he holds up there. If he can hold up there, I expect him to stay along the same career trajectory. I expect coming out of college. Uh, but obviously we don't know what injuries will entail. So hoping for the best there though. All right. We got to go. So moving on to the next quarterback, that is CJ Stroud. He went number two overall to the Texans. Um, and jumping right into his recap game by game, his first week against the Ravens, we talked about it, really high volume performance, but some issues with dealing with pressure. I think all of the sacks I, I charted as his fault. Um, he has a sack fumble in there, has a throw where, or has a play where he rolls to his left, throws back across his body into triple coverage, which I thought was um, pretty rough in terms of decision. Um, towards the end of the game, he showed some of the flashes that he would come to show more consistently um, with pushing the ball over the intermediate middle, um, throwing really nice dig routes with anticipation and timing um, and good accuracy on those types of plays. Um, but yeah, this this performance was pretty rough, and, and I thought that um, that was definitely a low mark for his season. Yeah, much like Ryung's first game, this looked like a typical Stroud, or I mean, a typical rookie first ever game. He looked a little bit shook in the pocket. To me, we saw a lot of what we saw at Ohio State, where he struggled a lot with pressure, and to, to me, that does change pretty quickly. But in this one, with this elite uh, Baltimore defense that we've seen, he struggled a lot with that. He wasn't really getting the ball out in time uh, before the pressure was getting there. Uh, it seemed to mess with his accuracy at first, at least. Uh, but eventually, he settled in. He looked a lot more accurate, like you mentioned. He was making uh, t- tight window throws. His timing looked very good. His anticipation isn't obviously on the level of a Bryce Young, but... For his standards, it started to look good again. It's just a lot of mistakes early on because he wasn't really comfortable. But never put the ball in harm's way. Uh, didn't really push the ball downfield necessarily, but we saw him get consistent uh, completions later in the game after struggling to settle in a little bit. All right, moving on to the second game. This one was a lot better than the first one. Um, has a sack fumble early on in the game, which was uh, a tough play, but... Beyond that, it's just a few sacks and a couple of incompletions that are holding him back from having a basically flawless performance. Um, a ton of in- intermediate completions um, with timing, anticipation, um, some great reactions to pressure. There was one play uh, in the third quarter where there was a bad snap and he collected it um, at his feet and made a dart throw uh, for an eight-yard gain and a first down. Really impressive play on third down there. Um, just chunk plays all over the place in this one. 29 yards, 24 yards, 20 yards, 25 yards, 26 yards, or 25 yards, 24 yards, 32 yards, um, 17 yards. Just a ton of plays from the Houston offense. Um, they look like they were coming together. Um, recently, that hasn't really been the case, but um, this was a start of a very good stretch for the Houston offense, and, and Stroud was at the forefront of it in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I was very curious about coming into the league is obviously Stroud in college was a very, very big chunk play guy. But a lot of that came from him having wide open receivers downfield because of how elite OSU's receiving core was. And I was very curious how that would translate to the league. And in this game, it showed absolutely he's got the knack for the big play because his accuracy downfield is incredible he was fitting it in the perfect spot hitting guys in stride downfield making a lot of those big plays happen because 
if his great ball placement, his ability to read defenses also looked really good here because it wasn't just him finding guys underneath and them getting a ton of yak yards. He was finding holes and gaps and zones, finding the guy who beat his man and just delivering it on the money all game long. Uh, like PD mentioned, aside from that one strip sack or sack fumble, I should say, and a couple of those sacks being on him where he was just standing in the pocket trying to do a bit too much, hold on to the ball a bit too long. Aside from that, he showed amazing, amazing pressure management, complete opposite from the last week where the pressure definitely rattled him. Uh, he was passing inaccurate balls left and right, kind of rushing himself, his footwork and kind of fundamentals weren't looking too good he fixed a lot of that in this one and it showed to me that he improved massively upon the Stroud we saw in college who would let stuff like that rattle him and just throw him off his game completely and this one he looked like a very different quarterback to that all right moving on to the next one against Jacksonville this was his best game of the season in my opinion um some really really impressive down the field throws um as a 46-yarder in the first quarter, that was um, a very, very good throw to Tank Dell. Recognized the coverage bust really early in the play and just let it go. Um, could have been a touchdown if it was perfectly placed, but really good throw nonetheless. As a 17-yard completion that I thought was really impressive to Robert Woods, where he reacted to pressure um, and reset his base and threw it really well. Um, does have a turnover-worthy play on a drop or interception in that second quarter as well. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's pretty much great. Um, Third quarter, low volume, but pretty efficient. Um, has an incompletion in the fourth quarter that wasn't on him where Dalton Schultz dropped a perfect pass. Um, and then has a 62, 68-yard touchdown on a coverage bust where he hits Tank Dell deep down the field and, um, yeah, has a has a big-time touchdown there. Um, so very impressive performance from Stroud here um, against what has turned out to be a really good defense. So, um, yeah, really appreciated the way that he played in this one. Yeah, absolutely. To me, too, by far his, or maybe not by far, but definitely his best game of the season. He looked really, really good in this one. The accuracy was absolutely on point in this. Like you mentioned, pretty much he did have a lot of receivers open in this game, but he was delivering it on the money, giving it to them to where they could get plenty of yards after the catch as well he looked strong in the pocket uh the Jaguars weren't necessarily getting a lot of pressure on him in this game uh but despite that a lot of that came from him just being able to maneuver well get rid of the ball when it was needed to and he showed no sign of not being aggressive he was attacking downfield left and right making a ton of big plays once again including that 68 yard touchdown off the broken coverage yeah, a lot of big plays in this one. Very, very good. No mistakes, really. One of his best games so far. All right, moving on to the next one against Pittsburgh. Um, this one was better than the box score indicated. Um, the low completion percentage would be a turnoff for a lot of people, but a couple of drops, a number of throwaways, a bunch of great defense for sure. Um, I thought Stroud was kind of dealing in this one. Didn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, like I said, last game had a dropped interception, but none of that in this one. Um, has a couple of missed passes. Um, one sack on an intentional grounding that I thought was on him, but some really impressive throws. A 52-yard pass to Nico Collins for a touchdown at the end of the game. That was his best throw of the day to me. Had another one to Nico Collins, 19 yards down the field. Um, had a ton of in intermediate attempts and completions in that second quarter um, for big chunk plays. 42 yards, 23 yards, uh, 29 yards, 19 yards. Um, 
just generating big plays a lot uh, after that first quarter. Um, and another very, very impressive performance and, and a great job from Stroud again as well. Yeah, I actually agree with you in terms of this also being one of his better games. The completion percentage, like you said, definitely lies here. He was very, very accurate once again. I felt like he did a great job against another pretty good defense here. Uh, and it just felt like the offense was easy. A lot of just quick passes. Guys like Nico Cat Collins were getting open over the middle on stuff like slants. A lot of in-breaking routes, and Stroud was just getting rid of the ball, that signature kind of quick release that we've kind of seen out of him a lot this year, getting it out to them and letting his playmakers work. And we saw a lot of that. And we also saw, like you mentioned, the deep plays once again, that Nico Collins touchdown, amazing. And it started to look like CJ Stroud's putting, like stringing together a bunch of dominant performances, like back to back against really good defenses. It kind of has waned off over the last couple of weeks, which, We'll get to in a second, but at this point in the season, he was looking really, really good. It looked like a lot of the question marks from OSU, whether it was how he's going to deal with pressure, whether if he was going to be able to go downfield consistently, a lot of it was looking to be answered at this point in the year. All right, moving on to the next one against Atlanta. So has a turnover play that doesn't show up in the box score in this one where he threw it right to Jesse Bates, but um, yeah, another solid performance, in my opinion, has that game-winning touchdown where uh, he baits Jesse Bates into stepping up and throws it behind him for, um, what is it, like an out-and-up type of thing to Dalton Schultz. Uh, great play there. Um, a number of, again, good intermediate throws in this one. Uh, doesn't take any sacks, which was good. Um, and the accuracy was a little bit better than the completion percentage suggests. Uh, a number of throwaways and, and tipped passes and, and drops and things of that nature, so... Um, yeah, I was impressed in this one, but definitely not as impressed as the week three and four performances. Yeah, I agree. It definitely wasn't on the level of those games, and you can't really expect games like that every single week. But still a pretty solid performance here, aside from the turnover-worthy play you mentioned. He was pretty accurate once again, like you mentioned, uh, or and stuff we talked about with Bryce Young. You do like to see with these younger quarterbacks having drives towards the end of the game where they keep their cool and are able to deliver a drive to help their team win. And it should have been, with a minute and a half, a game-winning touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz there. Unfortunately, the Falcons came down and scored a game-winning field goal. But for the purpose of Stroud, he did exactly what he needed to uh, down the stretch of the game. Uh, like you mentioned, if it wasn't for a couple of batted passes here and there and drops, the completion percentage would have looked a lot better. I do think he struggled a little bit more in this game in terms of attacking downfield. Uh, I think it was more to do with his receivers not really getting open. Uh, for whatever reason, this Atlanta secondary seemed to have their number, which this uh, the last two better defenses, I'd argue, didn't seem to have. But for whatever reason, he didn't have as much stuff open downfield, so he wasn't as aggressive as a result. I would like him to maybe keep staying as aggressive and try to fit those into tighter windows, as we know he can, because he's shown elite-level anticipation to get those, ball there, get, uh, get those balls there on time. He's shown elite-level accuracy. He just needs to trust himself a little bit more, and I think he went away from that a little bit until the end of the game where he was kind of forced against the wall and was forced to make uh, make plays, and he definitely did. So still very solid game from him, just a little bit of a step down from the previous two. 
All right, moving on to the next one against New Orleans. I thought this one was a little bit of a rough one. So um, has his first interception, which was a really rough throw where he just didn't check if the linebacker would be dropping. Um, has a few big chunk plays that kind of help make up for it. Um, a 34-yard completion um, on an intermediate pass, a 24-yard completion where he basically self-generated it um, to Nico Collins, well-thrown high and away. Um, a 28-yard pass where he hit Nico Collins in a tight window. Um, and then another 31-yard pass where um, he hit Dalton Schultz wide open. Um, but um, the big thing for me in this one was that the sacks were kind of um, a little bit of a killer for the offense. And I mentioned the turnover they play. Um, he wasn't really able to generate completions in the second half very consistently. Only, uh, what is this, one, two, three completions in the entire second half. Um, the Saints defense was playing really well, and Stroud's accuracy um, definitely was an issue towards the end of this game. 45% perfect pass rate overall, which is solidly below league average. So, um, yeah, he he definitely showed a drop-off in this game versus the previous games. Um, but, yeah, nothing too wildly concerning for me in this one. Yeah, I'm definitely not concerned, and maybe I'm overanalyzing here. But to me, what it seemed like was that early interception, obviously it being his first and only one till this point in his career, I feel like it got in his head a little bit. I thought that's uh, that Saints defense was a lot more aggressive with him. The coverage was a lot more stingy. They have pretty good DBs over there, and it, it seemed to kind of mess with Stroud's head. We didn't see the same level of or near the same level of accuracy that we saw in a lot of his other games, a lot more errant balls, whether it was high or in the dirt. And that's stuff we really don't see out of Stroud, who's been pretty accurate to this point. And he was still very aggressive in this one. I like the fact that despite he wasn't necessarily having his best game this week, that he still was getting big completions to guys like Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, because he still trusts himself enough to make those plays. But it did seem to me like that interception early on got in his head. He made a very clear mistake, just didn't see that linebacker. And I thought that kind of forced him to make a lot of other poor decisions a lot later down the line. Uh, his footwork didn't look as sound as we've seen in other weeks. It just seemed to affect him, and he's got to learn to shake that off and kind of move forward. Even though sacks, it was very uncharacteristic out of him taking pretty two two pretty bad sacks there that completely ruined those drives. So, yeah, definitely not something I'm worried about long term because he could easily fix that. But I can see why it happened. All right. After a week seven bye, they came into week eight against Carolina, um, and Stroud again. Um, not really generating offense consistently. Now this one I think is because. Um, the Texans really ran the ball way too much for my liking. Put Stroud into tough down and distances where it gets kind of difficult to generate offense. Um, but he has a 22-yard completion here where um, he hits Noel Brown in a tight window, has a 31-yard completion on kind of a tipped pass. I think he gets kind of lucky that that's a completion. Um, and for the rest of the game, it's really not much at all. Um, one of the two sacks he took was on him, in my opinion. Um, and he had the ability to generate uh, positive plays was not very much present in this one because the game script was a little bit weird. Um, like I said, the down distances were kind of tough. Um, didn't put the ball in harm's way, um, but the lack of positive plays was very apparent, and that one sack does hurt um, in his final impact. So I thought this one was below average, but again, nothing too heavily concerned about. It's just the the offense, like the 
play sequencing is something that I am concerned about. And if they continue to run the ball too much, um, it's going to limit their offense. They have really, really good play design. When they actually drop back and throw, they put defenders in conflict really well in their intermediate area of the field. Um, and when Stroud is attacking intermediate and down the field, he looks very, very good. Um, it's kind of restricting him to be a game manager is not the way to go, in my opinion. So, yeah, th- I think that's my only takeaway from this one. Yeah, I think you hit it with the head on because I also found the play calling super, super weird here. For whatever reason, they try to really commit to the run that wasn't successful whatsoever. They were running on early downs and getting two, three yards consistently. And like you said, forcing C.J. Stroud into situations where he really does not need to be in third and long situations, making his job harder for him. And it really confuses me when you look at games like the Steelers game and the Jaguars game, where it was pretty clear what the Texans kind of offense was as a unit, as an identity. They were going to attack you in the intermediate uh, range of the field consistently. Let Stroud use that high-level accuracy and ability to kind of stand tall and scan the middle of the field and just hit guys underneath. And then when you make that mistake in coverage, he's going to kill you deep because his deep ball is amazing. I don't know why they've gone from that to this kind of ground and pound offense. You would maybe want with a smaller, kind of more limited quarterback. It really doesn't fit Stroud whatsoever, and it forced him into a weird situation. And granted, even with that, he still didn't play well. A lot of his passes were very short, very quick. A lot of check downs. He was nowhere near as aggressive as we saw in previous weeks. Uh, He wasn't really trying to push the ball downfield. But like we mentioned, he was in a lot of situations where he was forced to get a certain amount of yards on it, whether it was a third down, fourth down. uh, And it really didn't allow him to explore all of his options, take risks when he wanted to. Uh, Really weird way of running this offense because the – Clear weaknesses on this offense are this offensive line and the running back core. Their running back core is massively disappointed from what they expected coming into the year. So I don't really understand why they would go here. Uh, I don't expect them to stay this way, especially with how this game went and how Stroud's been playing earlier in the season. But that could be of concern as far as how Stroud's playing. It didn't concern me. To me, this was more of a mediocre game. All right, so let's talk about his traits overall. So I think that his accuracy has been a little overstated. Um, I feel like so, so the, the, the way that he's accurate is um, in the tougher throws in terms of pushing it deep, intermediate and deep passes. But he's kind of disappointed me in his ability to throw like behind the line of scrimmage and underneath. Um, and I think you could see that reflected in like simpler metrics like completion percentage, which would be boosted by um, your ability to throw accurately underneath and and to the easier passes. So um, that's one thing that stood out to me. But the thing that stood out to me, and we can kind of get into like the the unexpected stuff here, uh, a little bit of overlap there, is that his anticipation has really like, it was inconsistently very good in college. Like you you saw the ability to um, throw early and, and put the ball where he, in a catchable spot that type of combination in college. Um, But once he's gotten to the NFL, like his ability to anticipate on like these deep, deep, deep dig routes and and throwing over the middle has been exceptional. Like, like some of the best in the league already, in my opinion, on those specific uh, types of routes. Um, And then another big thing um, uh, in terms of his traits is that his touch has kind of just carried over his, his touch is unbelievable. Um, He's able to drop the ball, 
over like a linebacker and in front of the safety really well. Um, that's kind of what's driving his ability to throw over the middle. Um, and I think uh, since his first game, first part of the year, he's gotten better at managing pressure. Um, the first game of the year, like we mentioned, he took a number of sacks that were on him, um, a bad play where he threw across his body into double coverage. Um, not much of that since then, and he hasn't really put the ball to harm's way too much uh, beyond that. Um, and I think that for the rest of this year, one thing that he can kind of continue to work on is his ability to create out of structure. Now, he hasn't made too many mistakes out of structure, um, but when he's not able to generate big chunks out of structure to make up for the minimal mistakes that he does make, um, it's still going to result in the net negative. And I think that his split of uh, how he is when he's not pressured versus pressured is still very, very drastic and something that uh, he could work to improve. So um, we'll see how that goes for the rest of the year. It's a tough trait to work on, but um, maybe it's something that changes throughout this year. Yeah, I like a lot of what you said, getting straight into the accuracy. Me personally, I don't necessarily think it's overstated, primarily because I do think uh, those harder throws that he is very accurate on, whether it's going downfield, the intermediate range of the uh, field, those are the throws that highlight his accuracy more to me. I think the short intermediate, a short type of throws isn't going to be an issue long term, primarily because... I think when quarterbacks like this, young quarterbacks struggle with those uh, underneath throws, whether it's uh, screens, short slants, drags, it's more because they have a fundamental, uh, uh, they have a, a fundamental issue with their mechanics, and they just simply can't get the ball and deliver it that quick. To me, Stroud's mechanics and footworks have looked phenomenal thus far. So to me, that's not the issue. And I think it's fixable because of that is because I think if you have a strong base, you are able to make those throws. I think that issue kind of ties into what we've seen with Ohio State and something I think he's improved on. And you also mentioned he's improved on his pressure management. I think he's just not used to being able to get the ball quickly and just get rid of it right away. It's not something he did in college, really. It's not something he's accustomed to. However, I do think he has potential to be able to get very good at that because we've seen him when he has the time, he's able to deliver balls quickly and on target. And that's something that just comes from the way you throw the football, the way your mechanics work. I think Stroud does have the ability to get that get to that point in terms of anticipation i completely agree with you uh we saw flashes of it at ohio state but i think a lot of the time we didn't need to see it at ohio state because they'd play a school like iowa state and he could just throw 50 yard bombs all day to wide open receivers but now that he's in the league we have to see it on a week in week out basis and it's showing that he does have that trait absolutely it's and it has blown me out of the water much more than I expected. Uh, like we mentioned throughout all of his games, his pressure management has massively improved. We haven't seen a game kind of like we saw at Ohio State where he would be a massive, massive negative because teams would just throw tons of pressure at him and he'd just throw the ball into harm's way out of nowhere, just easy picks for the other team and that's a big problem that we thought coming into the league would stick especially on a team like the Texans who doesn't necessarily have the best offensive line even now more so with all the injuries they've had and that kind of ties into this point where 
this offensive line was expected to be like a mediocre to maybe even slightly above average uh, offensive line. And because of all the injuries they've dealt with this year, it has not been the case. And you wouldn't think so watching CJ Stroud. He's shown that he's got a very quick release. He's shown that he can dissect defenses quickly and just get rid of the ball. And he makes up a lot for that offensive line not necessarily being the best and another thing I agree with you massively is I do hope he can develop a little bit of playmaking ability ability to do stuff out of structure but I don't really think that's ever going to be a part of his game I think if he did add that he would quickly like maybe within the next year or two jump into that elite tier of quarterbacks because I think he's absolutely got the other traits to be an elite level quarterback and if he adds playmaking he would be incredible but I really don't think he's got the athleticism or even kind of feel outside the pocket to make those type of plays. I think we would have seen it at this point. And yeah, we did see it a little bit in games like that Georgia playoff game last year where he kind of showed it. But to me, it's not something we're going to see consistently. I think uh, if you're watching Stroud, you're going to have to live with the fact that if he's dealing with pressure, he's either going to have to get rid of the ball quick or just eat it and take a sack. I don't expect him to be able to do that long-term. All right, so let's get to the juicy part. How does his career projection change from the midpoint of his rookie season? I don't think it's changed too much for me. Um, I described Stroud as kind of a boomer bust prospect because his ability to synergize um, with the scheme would help him quite a lot. Um, and he has synergized with the scheme, and we've seen it in the, the string of games that he put together from week three to week five, I think it was, um, where he looked really good. Um, now, the, the big thing there is that if he, could get, if he continues to be put into these situations where he's long down in distance um, based on Houston overly running the ball, I think that could be negative for his development because just putting the quarterback in a tough situation just based on play sequencing is, is not the greatest. But um, in terms of how he synergizes with the play designs and the way that Bobby Sloick is draw, drawing up like these play action designs and uh, off three-step drops, running these deep dig routes, that stuff is fantastic for Stroud's development and his ability to play those concepts is, is really, really good already. Um, so yeah, in terms of that boom rust thing that I was talking about, he's probably closer to hitting that boom, but um, I would see that, I would say that you need to see a little bit more. Um, and probably by the end of the year, I'll probably have an idea of where the career is going. Yeah, to me, I honestly didn't see him as much as a boomer bust prospect than you. I did see this potential of a boom, but to me, I thought he had kind of a high ceiling because in college we did see him be able to just kind of stand tall in the pocket and make deliver throws pretty quickly and efficiently. I thought he had the accuracy to be able to be at worst a game manager. And I thought if he was able to develop that deep ball, manage pressure that he could become even more. And to me, he's going more and more towards that high end because of how quickly and how early he's shown his ability to hit those deep throws to beat teams downfield, how quickly he's shown that ability to beat blitzes and kind of read coverages quickly without really struggling and messing up what he's got going on in terms of footwork and, and overall kind of fundamentals. So for that reason, I think he is still going very similar to the path that I expected him coming into this league. I was a little bit higher on Stroud uh, than PD over here. So I think he is hitting – 
as close to what I expected out of him. All right, so let's go to the next quarterback on our list, and that is Anthony Richardson. So this one's going to be a little bit quicker because Richardson has had his season uh, unfortunately ended by injury, but let's get right in. So this week one game um, for the Colts, um, this one was pretty up and down for me. So some flashes of extreme inaccuracy. The Colts chose to get the ball, keep the ball a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage than I would have expected throughout Richardson's tenure, um, and this game was a little bit of that. Um, in his first game, he has an ugly turnover play, um, similar to the play that I mentioned with Bryce Young um, against the Lions. He kind of forgets that the cover two corner exists um, and throws an ugly interception in this game. Um, aside from that, though, there was some very, very nice flashes of um, intermediate and explosive playmaking, um, some really high level ability to run the football. Um, just that one turnover the play was was very ugly. Um, and just overall put him in the below average category for me. Yeah, I, I also agree with the overall performance, but I do think there were a lot of flashes shown in this. I think one thing both of us thought was that his rushing ability would put him at a sort of high floor that not a lot of these other rookies can replicate because he's already coming in with such a high-level rushing ability, some of the best in the league. That automatically puts you at a certain tier. And I felt like immediately you could feel his physical presence in the pocket. He was extremely tough to bring down. When he was moving around, he was breaking defenders left and right. He just looked like a huge physical presence on that field. It was pretty evident that defenses struggled a lot with just dealing with that. They didn't know whether he was just going to take off and truck a linebacker. They didn't know if he was just going to sit back and just throw a dot downfield. It, that showed immediately to me. Uh, the biggest concern for me, and that's kind of the concern everyone had coming into him, was the accuracy here. He was maybe a little bit better than I expected for his first ever game, but that's because the bar was very low coming in for him. Uh, he wasn't really making a lot of a, a lot of passes that we expected him to, and uh, that we expected him to be uh, doing early on. And that is what it is. But despite that, he was still connecting on a couple of deep passes. We saw him be able to fit throws into windows that very, very few quarterbacks in this league could make. His, like, elite, elite level arm talent showed kind of right off the bat. And despite the kind of physical presence, it kind of, it, he did take a lot more sacks than I expected. And to me, it really wasn't because of the offensive line. I thought there were times he was trying to do too much. And that's what led to plays being messed up, led to him falling in the backfield. And he really should be using his uh, kind of frame in a better way. He's got the elite level uh, athleticism to where he should be like a Josh Allen or like a Cam Newton type where he's never getting sacked. It should never be the case where we're seeing four or five sacks out of him because he's trying to do too much. And I think the biggest thing, and obviously now we've seen it even more, but to me, he is way, 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 taking way, way, way too much contact. And it showed even in this game on the last drive that to bring in Gardner Minshew to end it because he got injured here. I believe he got concussed. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's willingly taking contact. He was taking contact for no reason whatsoever, putting himself in harm's way where he didn't really need to. And that's affected him to this point. Obviously, him not playing right now shows that. Yeah, Cam Newton, slightly below average sack taker for the rest, for sack avoider for most of his career. But um, point 
point stands. Um, all right, so his week two game cut short because he self-reported concussion-like symptoms and was ruled out um, for the game, but um, some really high-end rushing flashes. Um, with the two rushing touchdowns, he just kind of turned the corner on both of them. Fantastic play design on one of them where he fakes uh, left and they run kind of like a bootleg type thing, um, and he just sprints to the right corner for the touchdown. So, um, yeah, re- really, really liking the designs with Shane Steichen, um, even right now with Gardner Minshew, even if he can't really execute them very well because he's not very good. But um, I think that the Colts' structure is, is, is very good offensively. Um, in the second game, the Colts kept the ball really close to the line of scrimmage. Um, just not really much to take away in terms of passing. Um, they threw one pass down the field, which was dropped. Um, and, yeah, I thought Richardson played very well in a very limited sample here. Yeah, uh, to me, I kind of had to take it with a grain of salt because, like you mentioned, very, very limited sample. But uh, And as far as passing, we didn't get to see much. His accuracy looked better here, but... I mean, when it's such a small sample, it is what it is, especially when they were keeping it as close to the line of scrimmage in this game uh, as we saw. But the rushing upside absolutely, absolutely showed in this. Just his ability to run straight through the middle of and through the teeth of a team's defense with explosion and speed and no one is even able to get in front of him to take him down. It's just very few quarterbacks in the league can do that. It reminded me of like a more creative way that a quarterback could, uh, uh, teams can use Josh Allen. It's like a Jalen Hurts type of run scheme with a Josh Allen type of athlete. And it's really, really interesting to see. And I feel like they used him in an amazing way with that. And you can run him outside the pocket. You can run him down the middle. He's got the athleticism to do all of that. And that's kind of what me and PD like coming out of him, coming out of college, because that's just something you can do with very few people in this league. All right, moving on to the next one. This is his only full game against the Rams. Um, this one a little bit up and down in terms of um, consistency and accuracy. Uh, three perfect pass or eight perfect passes in this one out of twenty-three, which is a really rough accuracy mark. But it's mostly because he was pushing the ball deep down the field. Um, has a big completion for thirty yards to Josh Downs, which is a really imp- impressive play um, right after a drop snap. So you can see some of that volatility. Um, also had uh, a fumble in the first quarter um, shortly after taking um, a big-time 22-yard run. So, again, the volatility really showing up. Um, the second half, it was a little bit less crazy in terms of the turnover-worthy plays, but the offense wasn't really able to generate very much um, consistency. 17-yard uh, completion, 22-yard completion, 21-yard completion, 38-yard completion, most of those on intermediate-type passes, um, and then another 35-yard completion on a deeper one in a tight window to Malali Cox. Very impressive play um, in the third quarter. Um, yeah, I thought Bridgerson played pretty well in this one. Um, the turnover-worthy plays do bring it down to um, more mediocre. But, um, yeah, some really high-end flashes in this one, despite the inconsistency. Yeah, I agree with you because – He showed flashes of being an elite-level quarterback, but also showed flashes of being a very low-level quarterback, and it kind of averages out to being mediocre. And it kind of goes to show all of the same kind of pros and cons we had out of Anthony Richardson coming into the NFL. He kind of showed all of that in 
one of his only full games here. For one, and I think the biggest issue with him moving forward is always going to be the accuracy. Uh, they simply couldn't make easy offense work, and there were plenty of drives that would go three and out or end very early simply because they couldn't make those four or five-yard completions uh, consistently. And when I talked about Stroud, I was talking about how when those really weren't going, I still am not necessarily worried because he still has a solid frame. He's got good fundamentals. I think long-term he'll be able to fix that. With Richardson, I'm not completely sure because he does have a little bit of a funky throwing motion. His footwork isn't always the best. He's super athletic, so he can just he's always been able to get away with not being the most fundamentally sound. And I think that is showing now with those short passes where he's not able to just drop back and get off a quick one accurately. Things are always going wrong there. But on the flip side of things, him going downfield has looked like he's made some throws that I think very few quarterbacks in the league can make. Like you mentioned with that 35-yard Mo Ali Cox touchdown, that was incredible. You see him getting out of pressure, somehow squiggling out of the pocket, and kind of like leaning over. He, while on the run, throws it across his body a little bit to the end zone and just darts it to Mo Ali Cox. It's just one of those throws that you need high, high-level arm talent and strength to make. And it shows how good Anthony Richardson can be because if he can figure out what's going on underneath, those passes are just incredibly hard to make, and he's one of the few people who can make it. And once again in this one, the rushing threat showed once again, scored another rushing touchdown. Uh, for someone this early in their career, it's, it's actually incredible how often he can pick up those rushing touchdowns. And I think the touchdowns in specific are important here because we see with guys like Jalen Hurts or even like a Josh Allen how valuable it is to have a big, strong, powerful quarterback in the red zone who you can just give it to them and they'll bully their way in there. And early in his career, we're seeing Anthony Richardson has the potential to be a weapon of that sorts. And with him and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield moving forward, I think that's going to be a really, really cool duo. All right, moving on to his last game of the season. This one cut short by a severe shoulder injury where he was unfortunately driven driven into the ground. But um, made another, another one of those insane throws. Um, third and 16 from the 46-yard line. He throws an absolute dime in a tight window with two defenders there, one underneath Josh Downs, one over the top um, for a 38-yard completion. Incredible play. And then on the very next play, he throws a backwards pass for a 17-yard sack. So very funny volatility there. Um, didn't really do much for the rest of the game. Had a nice 13-yard completion to Alec Ogletree um, where he just kind of zipped it in there. Um but yeah, for the rest of the game, just kind of short completions and stuff behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and then he got injured on his very last play, and we will not be seeing any more of him for this year. So um, we won't be talking about um, what he'll look like for the rest of the year for uh, for Anthony Richardson. But um, yeah, just kind of an unfortunate ending for, for the season for Richardson. Yeah, it really sucks. And it kind of forces me to take this game with a grain of salt because... He obviously didn't play much. That pass you mentioned to Downs was obviously incredible. But in general, we didn't get to see much from him. And as much as I talked about like the injury problems with him putting himself in harm's way in the previous games, this wasn't really that. It was just an unfortunate injury, and that's what sucks because those are the ones that end up being the worst. Those are the ones that end up costing you your season. And, yeah, it sucks to see 
with a guy like Anthony Richardson, who till this point probably looked like the best rookie quarterback or, well, maybe not after how Stroud has ended up performing, but he was definitely looking very promising. His rushing impact was very much known uh, and he was improving accuracy wise as well. And I'm not sure if this is going to set him back coming into next year or if the full off season is going to help him kind of develop on that and come back a much better player next year. But yeah, just sucks to see. All right, so let's talk about the future stuff for Anthony Richardson. So recapping his traits, he is one of the great athletes to ever play the quarterback position. He's in that Josh Allen, Cam Newton tier, and that applies to things like quarterback-specific athleticism, like arm strength. Uh, Flexibility in his arm is fantastic. He has really good ball control when he's kind of throwing with velocity. Um, I wish he would use his touch ball more. It's really good when he does use it, but he kind of seems to prefer fastballs, which is something that can develop. He's only 21 and a half years old, so um, a lot of time to change these type of things. Um, I, I, I think that um, in terms of what's been unexpected from, from his college game, I don't think really anything for me, but um, the one thing that has stood out to me is the way he's been deployed by, by Shane Steichen. It's been very interesting to see them kind of change between um, – attacking down the field in terms of offensive style versus going short um, underneath. I think that just kind of signals a lack of trust in terms of going in the intermediate areas of the field, which is uh, pretty interesting to see. Maybe they don't believe in his ability to be consistent processing because or because that would make sense. He's 21 years old and um, hasn't been playing football for the longest time. So um, as he learns to do that, maybe they'll have more of a complete offense. Um, I, I think that his trajectory um, for the rest of the year would have been upwards because of the way that they're continuing to scheme really well. Um, But yeah, beyond that, I can't really say much about this year. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate part of things, but I do like you, how you brought up Shane Steichen because to me, the reason I think they weren't really attacking the intermediate range of the field is because I think Steichen's really good at developing these types of quarterbacks. We saw, obviously, with Jalen Hurts. And one thing we saw before Jalen Hurts broke out is he played a very similar type of ball to Anthony Richardson here to where you would only give him simple throws or he's attacking downfield. You weren't really trusting him to stay in the pocket early in his career, stay in the pocket and kind of dissect defenses over the middle of the field, uh, attack on your dig routes, on your deep posts, etc. Stuff like that that requires a lot more timing and accuracy. And I think that's what they were trying to do with Richardson here. They were trying to build up his confidence giving him what he's best at and he's got time to develop that aspect of his game and I think as we were going to go later in the season we would have seen him do more and more of that and that's why it sucks is because now we don't even know what the plan with him is but as far as his traits one thing that we definitely expected and everyone expected was the rushing upside I mean He, like you said, PD, is probably the greatest or one of the greatest athletic prospects we've ever seen uh, playing quarterback. Being Using him in QB power type of runs or play a lot of like read options, a lot of RPOs, that was expected. And him being able to just out-muscle defenders, bully his way for yards, power through, that's stuff we absolutely expected. And that's stuff we saw him doing in uh, in Florida. And even him being able to make people miss in the open field, outrun guys at his size, 
that stuff we saw and it absolutely has translated uh, another thing that was expected in a negative fashion is lack of accuracy you still see a lot of balls that just sail high way too far balls that he's uh, has no business missing that bad and we did see a lot of that at Florida, unfortunately. And I think that's something that may stick for a while. I think you mentioned his touch. I don't necessarily think he's going to become a quarterback who will ever, at a high level, be making touch passes. I think when you have such a strong arm, such strong elite arm talent, a lot of these quarterbacks never are able to develop their arms to where it can be a little bit more flexible and you take a little bit more off it and put it in – the right spots like that to me, unless you're like a high end quarterback, like a Mahomes or Allen, no one else really in the league can do that. And I don't really know if Richardson is ever going to develop that. If he does much like we talked about with Stroud's playmaking, he's skyrocketing to one of the most elite quarterbacks in the league. But from what I've seen out of Richardson so far, I don't really expect that to happen yet. Uh, to me, I expect him to develop, into a plus version of what we saw on the field there. I think they're going to take a lot of deep shots. I think he's going to trust his receivers like a Michael Pittman to make plays downfield and uh, hope, hope hope they win and deliver it on the money there. He's got the arm talent to make those throws any day of the week. I expect a lot of screens, a lot of quick slants, a lot of stuff to get easy offense for him and definitely, definitely a lot of running. So for me, a lot of what we saw out of Richardson was expected out of college uh, as far as career trajectory overall. I think I think he's going to be a lot higher than what we expected because to me, I thought he would look a little bit more raw than we saw actually early in his career, even in terms of passing the football, not just rushing. And to me, I think his, he's a little bit upgraded in terms of career trajectory now. Yeah, for me, he's right on the same path. I was big in, big on Richardson, had him – like right on that elite prospect range. So yeah, Pro Bowl is, is very much in the cards. And I and I see like extremely high upside if he gets that accuracy up, but it's it's an improbable cause because of how, how much work he has to get done in that facet. All right, let's move on to another inaccurate quarterback, and that's Will Levis. So Will Levis played his first game um, this week. We're going to talk about it on the recap episode, so I don't want to get too much into it, but um, everyone knows – um, the things that happened in that game in terms of the explosive plays. DeAndre Hopkins absolutely went off, um, and Levis was a big part of that, pushing the ball down the field aggressively. Um, the Titans' offense kind of running from play action, um, a lot of deep shots, a lot of stuff underneath, which is kind of the way that uh, I'd want Will Levis to play, um, just not forcing him to kind of read stuff out, um, take advantage of his biggest trait, which is his powerful arm and his ability to drive the ball down the field. Um, can throw really, really deep down the field. Um, we saw in his last pass of the game, which was an incredible throw. Um, one of the best throws I've seen all year from um, a perspective of a 38-yard pass down the field. Um, stuff in that range, it, it might have been the best throw of the year. So, yeah, incredible throw in his first game. Um, another great throw for a deep touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins uh, for 61 yards. It was it was a great game from him. And, um yeah, we'll talk more in depth about it on the next episode. Yeah, Levis in this game very much impressed me, especially coming from me who 
I was not very high on Levis coming into the year. Uh, and a couple of things he surprised me on is I knew he could throw that deep ball. Obviously, the biggest reason why he was drafted where he was is very, very high-level arm talent. He's got huge size. He should be able to drive the ball downfield. And I knew he would be able to do that, but I think his I thought his accuracy issues would translate to those deep ball passes. Even if you have guys open, you do kind of need to hit those at a decent level of accuracy. And he delivered those money, uh, those balls to DeAndre Hopkins on the money. I absolutely did not expect him to be able to hit those deep balls that consistently with that level of accuracy. And I was also very surprised with how the Titans were able to deploy an effective game plan for him. Because for me, I just didn't think the Titans had the personnel to be able to match with Levis. I thought DeAndre Hopkins was a lot more cooked than that. And I thought him not really having any guys who can get the ball underneath and make a play while also not really having any deep threats, which are the two aspects of his game they probably want to explore. I thought that would really screw him up, but hey, DeAndre Hopkins has revitalized himself. It seems like he's hitting those deep balls. Obviously the under underneath passes he's made so far are pretty easy, but to what I expected out of him, his accuracy looked a lot better in this game uh than what, what we saw at Kentucky. So very impressive game and I'm not sure if it'll continue, but definitely looking good so far. All right. Um there's nothing to say about how he's progressed over the year because he's played one game. We'll know more after this week when he plays on Thursday night. But um in terms of what he will look like for the rest of the year, so we're expecting Ryan Tannehill to come back after a few weeks. Um I would expect him to play worse, honestly. Um against Pittsburgh. Um, stronger defense, first of all, but the bigger thing is like um, the deep ball has a really high variance and game to game it can be uh, something that fluctuates wildly. Um, and the bigger thing is that once teams get a grasp of how to play Will Lois in terms of um, dropping their safeties deep, forcing him to work underneath, um, you can see those accuracy issues kind of spark up a little bit more and the ability for Yak is going to be a little bit more limited uh, by his underneath accuracy in my opinion. So um, I would expect him to play worse, but these types of high-end flashes like he showed on Sunday, um, very much in the range of outcomes. So maybe I get proven wrong, but I would say his expectation is definitely lower from, from now. Yeah, I'm also on the same boat, potentially hoping to get proven wrong because to me this was a classic situation where the Falcons just didn't know what to expect out of Levis, to be honest, and their game plan was completely off. And now that we kind of have a little bit of game plan, a game film on him, it's definitely going to look very different, the look they give him. I mean, traditionally, when you have rookie quarterbacks like him, you want to creep up, be hound him almost, have a lot of defenders come underneath and put a lot of pressure on him but when you have a guy like will levis whose best trait here is cooking you deep and you're bringing all your dbs down it's 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 just not a smart game plan and i'm not really sure why atlanta never adjusted for that but that's what they did all game and that's not what i expect the steelers or any other defense to do versus him it's very clear that just having two three deep safeties cutting off the deep ball completely and begging him to beat you underneath is the way to go and right now i neither think they have the personnel nor levis's skill set is good enough to consistently make those timing passes have a lot of like in routes slants stuff like that underneath or over the middle of the field even going uh 
outside outbreaking routes in that intermediate range of the field. I just don't think Levis is at a level of accuracy to wait where he'll make those consistently. And I also don't really believe in his anticipation. I don't think at Kentucky nor in this game we saw any throw much throws really that weren't going downfield where he was showing high level anticipation. And I think when defenses force him to do that, we're going to see a lot different Levis. However, I will say I didn't even expect him to be able to match this style and play it this way. So there's there's no reason for Levis to not be able to adapt and figure things out. So I won't rule that out completely, but I personally don't believe that'll happen. All right, let's talk about traits and how they project for the rest of their career. So um, for Levis's traits, he has a nuclear rocket launcher for an arm. His ability to drive the ball down the field um, in terms of max distance, his arm is elite already, I think. Um, yeah. In terms of velocity, it's not quite that good, but it's still really good. He can push that ball into tight windows over the middle of the field when he sees it. Um, and I think he could be served better to throw with touch, but there were some really impressive touch throws um, in this game where he rec- he needed to both um, push it deep down the field and layer it with touch so that he could um, kind of get the maximum yards after catch opportunity. The last throw that he made where he was kind of under pressure with the dude bearing down on him, um, threw it back all the way across the field, like 50 plus yards in the air. Very, very impressive throw um, with a lot of touch. So his arm talent is, is really, um, has the potential to be like exceptional if he continues to work on that touch aspect of the game. Um, His accuracy still looks very up and down um and his ability to play with timing and kind of see things before they happen is definitely a question mark um and i would say his ability to avoid sacks would be a question mark going forward as well um his pressure reactions are kind of just um when when he kind of senses pressure he kind of wants to scramble really quickly um or he might take like a really ugly hit which which is not the best for his long term projection um but yeah i i think that I haven't really changed my my projection of him just based on the one game. Um, he still seems like a guy who I would expect to end up as like a low end starter at the worst, um, and I think he has a future as as an average quarterback once he develops some. Um, if he develops really well, which is tough to say because the Titans' skill group is not good and doesn't look like it's going to be good anytime soon. I think he has a higher end outcome in the Pro Bowl, but he needs to develop quite a bit in a tough situation to get there. So, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, I think there's no mystery to what type of quarterback Levis is. His arm talent, like you mentioned, is obviously one of the better ones in the league already. And I actually think his velocity is more than good enough for what what he needs. I think, honestly, too much velocity in some aspects is not good. And one thing that I didn't expect out of Levis, and we kind of saw a little bit in this, is I thought his touch was better than we expected. Some of those deep passes we saw the DeAndre Hopkins, he kind of had to layer that over a defender who was underneath. And had he maybe flattened that ball a little bit more or, yeah, not got it there in the same kind of arc that he did, we maybe don't see some of those touchdown plays happen. Maybe the DB breaks it up. I think... All aspects of Levis's arm talent is looking very good at this point in time. Uh, I still very much question his ability to 
even read a, read a defense at this point in time. I don't think he necessarily has high-level processing or even, like, decent-level processing. There weren't any throws while watching that game that made me think, like, oh, he read through his project pro- progressions and made that pass. But his ability to fit balls into tight windows and still be able to make pretty much any pass on the field you could ask for the accuracy, obviously still being in question, but in terms of ability to make that throw happen, he can do that. And I guess going straight into the accuracy, I still do think despite this game being a relatively accurate game, still a lot of, a lot of question marks for his accuracy for me. I think he does have better fundamentals than a guy like Anthony Richardson, but to me, those underneath passes still, I don't see the type of footwork and consistency with his fundamentals to where he will get to a point where he can deliver those. He still looks a little bit funky on his dropbacks to me. His footwork, a lot of the time, is he, he does mess up, clicks his feet from time to time. That's just something he's got to work on for sure. And to me, overall, looking at his career, oh, one more thing, as far as the sacks go, I think for someone of his size and frame, you expect him to be the kind of guy that isn't taking a lot of sacks, is very hard to bring down. When you are that big, all you really need to do is kind of have decent feel to maneuver around kind of like a Justin Herbert does or like a Trevor Lawrence does to where you're not taking any sacks. But for whatever reason, Levis, and maybe it is the lack of footwork that I was talking about, for whatever reason, he gets caught up a lot and we see him take way more bad sacks than someone of his frame should. And I do think that's something he can develop. I do think that's something he will develop. A lot of young quarterbacks struggle with that. But it, it, a lot of quarterbacks of his frame also do come into the league with that. It's something that comes naturally to them. And if it's not something that comes naturally to Levis, that could be a problem. Uh, moving forward, I do have him ranked a little bit higher in his career project, uh, uh, projection than I expected. And that's because I had him a little bit lower than PD. To me, his like average to even slightly above average outcome was always going to be like, a low-end quarterback. I, I I thought he was going to be a low-end starter if he did get time. And now after seeing this, I do see potential for him to be a hot and cold type of quarterback, someone who's going to have games where he's going to throw like two picks and look terrible. But then you can see games like this Falcons game where he looks amazing and that would put him at roughly average. I do potentially see that, but still not very high on Levis. I, I do want to see a couple more games of this. But so far from what I've seen, he has looked good. All right, let's go to the next quarterback drafted who's played, and that is Aiden O'Connell. So Aiden O'Connell didn't play very much. Um, as with these guys from now on, it's not going to be guys that we really, like for me, charted very heavily in college and just mainly just watched their games and, and had an opinion on that one episode where we uh, broke down all the guys that didn't get selected in the first round. But um, with Aiden O'Connell um, – he took seven sacks in his first game, which was very ugly, and a lot of that was on him. Um, had a ton of turnover-worthy plays, put the ball in harm's way three times for me. One of them ended up with an interception um, and then some fumbles as well. Um, and then in his second mini stint against Chicago, um, he didn't look all that hot either, but it was better than his first game. Um, had one turnover-worthy play with the interception. Didn't take any sacks, but that's because he wasn't really under pressure, was forced to get the ball out really fast. So um, and just from, an, an adjustment from the coaching staff, which was recently fired, but um, 
regardless, um, we'll see more of Aiden O'Connell coming up, and we'll make more conclusions for him. Um, but yeah, he hasn't shown us anything really positive this season so far. Yeah, I was going to start off with that actually. Recently, we got the news, obviously, with the Raiders head coach and GM being fired that they've decided to bench Jimmy Garoppolo and head in the direction of Aiden O'Connell. So we will see a lot of him. But uh, as far as the games we have seen, I agree with you completely. One of the biggest things we worried about with him coming into the league was how like rigid and like unathletic and kind of stout he looks in the pocket like he does not really move he, he he doesn't really bounce around he doesn't look athletic and we saw that in the first game seven sacks was pretty ridiculous it looked like it was incredible incredibly easy to get to him in the pocket and that's definitely a problem when you are of that size he's 6'3 210 215 you don't really want to be a kind of guy who's getting brought down easily and he is that and especially when you combo that with his knack for making mistakes, like you mentioned, one turnover-worthy play and only 13 pass attempts in the second stint. In the first stint, I believe it was two or three turnover-worthy plays throughout the entirety of a game. Definitely not good when you're the type of quarterback who isn't making a lot of high-level explosive plays consistently. He is the type of guy who should be more of a game manager type, but when he's making that many mistakes... He's not a game manager type. Uh, his accuracy didn't look particularly good to me. I, I didn't think he was making a lot of tight window throws. He was only really making throws where guys were wide open, kind of schemed to be open. So, uh, yeah, not really a good two performances to start his career. All right, so let's talk about his traits. So Aiden O'Connell is, like, a very aggressive quarterback. He, If they allow him to in these next coming starts um, or start singular if he gets benched during the game, but – um, he can be very aggressive. He could push the ball down the field successfully. Uh, that comes at the expense of turnover where he plays a lot. Um, he's not particularly bad at playing in the pocket, but as we saw in his first game, he can tend to take a lot of sacks because he's not the most quick to react to pressure. Um, I think that he can be a very volatile quarterback, and I think that the range of outcomes for him in this next start that he makes is very, very wide. He could look pretty good, or he could look like an absolute disaster. So... Um, it just kind of depends which version of Aiden O'Connell that we're getting. At Purdue, he was kind of a really wild quarterback. He would make some of the most difficult or most high-degree di- difficulty throws that you've ever seen um, and make them look easy um, and then have an insanely boneheaded turnover-worthy play. Um, interesting player. Reminds me kind of of Drew Locke, but um, kind of more ball control on his throws than Drew Locke. So um, excited to see him play. Um, not really expecting too much, but... Um, yeah, we, we obviously don't have much to say about how his game has evolved this year because he's only made uh, a few passes. We'll, we'll touch on that towards the end of the year if, if he gets more continued play time. Damn, Drew Locke, not really the highest of praises from you. But <laughs> in terms of him as a quarterback, I think I don't think he's as volatile because I don't see the upside as much with him. To me, the upside in general of his mold of quarterback uh, would be Kind of like what we saw at Levis, like, okay, you may not have the best accuracy, you may not be able to break down defenses underneath, but you do have the potential of hitting your deep balls and maybe making big explosives to make up for those mistakes. Uh, but the way the Raiders have used him, it doesn't seem like they have any trust in that aspect of his game. They've not really let him be aggressive. They forced him to throw the ball underneath a lot. And to me, that's a sign of they don't even trust the potential of 
him maybe being able to go downfield because of how bad his accuracy is even going downfield. Like, yes, he's got arm talent. He's a huge guy with a strong arm, but he doesn't have the touch to really deliver those balls downfield. He doesn't really have the feel to find those throws consistently. It's kind of got to be drawn up for him. And he certainly doesn't have the accuracy to deliver those balls downfield consistently. So that's why I don't really see the high-end volatility with him because I, even though he maybe has the traits of that mold of quarterback, I just don't think he's got the actual abilities to be that sort of quarterback. And when you combine that with how unathletic he looks in the pocket, how consistently he's being brought down, to me, I just don't really see a projection to where he becomes anywhere near starting level guy. However, I do think he does have the mold to be a, a decent backup quarterback in this league. If he can uh, spend the couple, next couple of seasons developing his underneath game, because he does have the arm talent to be in this league, he could potentially uh, develop pocket presence to where he isn't getting sacked as often and we saw that a little bit in the Bears game it wasn't happening as much mainly because the Bears pass rush sucks and we'll see more of what he can or can't do this weekend in that in terms of that but in general um I just don't think there's much to his game I just think he's a big guy with a big arm yeah I think he has upside as a starter but yeah the backup range seems right for him uh long term all right, let's look at DTR really quickly. DTR was horrendous in that Baltimore game. Tough defense that he played against, but the turnover he plays were disgusting. Um, took four sacks, which were kind of a lot on him. Held the ball a lot in that game, over three seconds time to throw. It was it was really ugly, and um, he's not ready to start clearly, um, but I, I'm kind of holding out hope for him. Um, in terms of his traits, he's a strong runner. He's not well-built. He's very skinny. Um, but he's a strong runner, has a, a pretty good arm, um, can play with some accuracy when he's not being absolutely uh, pressured all the time like he was in the game against the Ravens. But, um, yeah, he has a lot to work on in terms of his speed of processing. And when that clicks, I think that he has a projection um, as a backup. But for now, it's it's definitely in the third string. To, he shouldn't be playing, playing on Sunday's range. Yeah, absolutely agree with that last part. He definitely should not be touching a field <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, that Ravens game was really, really, really bad. I'd argue probably the worst game I've seen out of a quarterback this season. It felt like every other play, he was putting the ball in harm's way. He was running around scrambling in the pocket or outside the pocket like, a headless chicken and taking sacks left or like left and right. His accuracy was looking pretty bad. The only thing that that offense really could do with him in was throw checkdowns really like, and if it, that isn't anywhere near NFL caliber, he's got to have some redeeming quality. And to me, I thought that was potentially his rushing ability. I thought that his rushing ability and stuff that was what we saw in preseason, his rushing ability kept him at a certain floor to where he could be on the field. Uh, and maybe it was because of how good that Baltimore defense was, but he didn't look nearly as athletic and explosive as we expected him uh, rushing the football. 
in that game. Uh, in terms of long term, I honestly do think he does have the traits to be like a backup type of quarterback. In today's league, when you have so many dynamic athletes at quarterback doing so much, a lot of teams do like to keep guys like DTR, who also have athleticism, and obviously they have nowhere near the passing ability of some of those guys, but he does offer you those sort of looks and backing up a quarterback like Deshaun Watson maybe could be something he could do in the future because they do have somewhat similar skill sets or at least in theory should have somewhat similar skill sets. DTR is obviously ultra athletic, very fast, can make a lot of guys miss in the open field. Uh, But to me, for his mold of quarterback, he's got to be much more athletic to still be effective. Like he's got athleticism at a high level for a college player, but for an NFL player, he looked very, very much average. He doesn't really have the size to power through anybody or the functional strength in general to break tackles. It feels like, and his passing, I honestly don't know what he can do. He couldn't throw the ball deep intermediate range of the field. He's got nowhere near the accuracy. I feel like he's never thrown a ball that we've seen with anticipation. It's really just if you have a guy open, he'll hit that maybe. So, yeah. All right, let's look at Jaron Hall. So Jaron Hall threw like four passes on Sunday after Kirk Cousins popped his Achilles. Um, He didn't do very much. He had a play-action rollout for a short completion. He dropped back, uh, had a horrible loss from his left tackle, and had a sack fumble. Um, he missed a throw on a single read type of rollout play um, off play action um, and then had a well-thrown slant and then a well-thrown screen. So ver- not very much to go off of. In terms of his traits, he has a very flexible arm and body, um, which could help him with the types of passes that they were running with, um, the ro- rollouts and the bootlegs. Um, he has a decent arm, and I think he can be accurate, but it's something that will definitely need to be worked on. Um, at BYU, he kind of was presented a pretty easy situation. Um, yeah, so I think that we'll learn some uh, when he plays this week. Um, Josh Dobbs is still getting acclimated to the system, according to the Vikings. So um, we'll see him for a little bit, but there's not really much to go off of and obviously no change in his career trajectory. Yeah, I, to be honest, have not seen those four pass attempts he made last game. So I'm not really familiar with what he did so far in in terms of the NFL. In terms of a college quarterback, we also haven't seen much of him to make that justification. But one thing I will say that kind of makes me skeptical, skeptical about how he is as a player moving forward is the fact that the Vikings did go ahead and trade for Josh Dobbs. I mean, with Kirk Cousins clearly out for the season, your best player on the team and Justin Jefferson being out a while, maybe not returning. I think it's pretty evident that this is a lost season for the Vikings. So at this point, you would expect them to maybe throw a guy like Jaron Holland, who's a rookie, maybe see what you can get out of him. Maybe there's something there. And worst case, you just lose games and get a really good pick. And the fact that they think he's not even ready to be like a interim starter for this next half season kind of goes to show how not ready he is, especially uh, using assets to bring in a guy like Josh Dobbs, who really isn't going to have much future impact for these guys. I think for whatever team he was going to, he was going to be like a filler type of quarterback in between when you get your next franchise guy, Dobbs, that is. And I, I thought maybe Jaron Hall could be that guy. So the fact that he's not, maybe his career trajectory is looking a little lower. Uh, but definitely going to – we'll see more of that after this weekend where we actually get to see him play. 
All right, and our last guy is Tyson Bajan, who looks way better than any of us could have anticipated. Undrafted free agent, and he looks like he could be a backup in this league. He put the ball in harm's way a lot in the snaps that I watched him, um, especially that Sunday night football game, but he looks like he could be a backup like relatively soon. So that is like really encouraging. Doesn't really have the arm talent, but has the ability to avoid sacks, seems to be able to play kind of in structure, um, and he's kind of fearless in the pocket. So I, I like those traits um, for him to be a backup quarterback. And yeah, he's he's on the short list of my favorite backup quarterbacks already. Yeah, honestly, what a crazy story too. Like coming from a Division two college, a uh, small college that I've never heard of, even in that Division two world, rookie uh, undrafted quarterback coming in and kind of holding his own. Obviously has not played well whatsoever. No one's going to argue that, but... I think when you have guys who were drafted like DTR, Jaron Hall, who are like not even trusted to go out there and Bajan has held his own, it's kind of impressive to see. And another trait of his that I really wish a lot of these other guys had that he's shown already is he is using that big 6'3", 215 uh, frame to be able to consistently fend off tacklers in the pocket, have good pocket presence and awareness in general. He really hasn't taken a lot of sacks, and that Bears offensive line is not good. Even Fields was running into sacks all day long when he was playing and healthy. So the fact that Bajan has been able to kind of work with that has been good but outside of that unfortunately there's not a lot to his game he really isn't very athletic so there's no rushing nor playmaking aspect to his game whatsoever even in the pocket his uh, accuracy is solid on short pass attempts but when you want him to go intermediate or definitely not going long uh yeah, his accuracy definitely drops off when you try to drive the ball downfield a little bit more than that. It's really limited what the Bears can do on offense because they, they can't really be that creative. Uh, he does show in some games that where they send a lot of pressure. Uh, the one I'm looking at really is that Chargers game where the Chargers were really going at him. He does have the tendency to just throw the ball to the other team when uh, as things get tough. But when he does have a little bit cleaner of a pocket, when he's not getting hit every other play, he's looked like a serviceable back, a serviceable backup. And in terms of his career trajectory, definitely much, much better than we expected. I mean, this guy was probably expected to not be in the league after maybe a year or two. And now I could see him being a long-term backup in spell of fields or whoever the Bears commit to long-term. All right, that'll be all from us in this one. Make sure to like, leave a rating, do whatever you need to do. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at B34 underscore and at Real Rahul Potty 2. That'll be all for me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yep. Peace. Yeah, we could be